0: We're in a car. Yes, we are. We're in a car on our way. To. The. Movie. Of. Del. Dora
1: time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're finally going to go see. The Shape. The Shape of Water. <laughs> so this is a long time coming. Like, we've been talking about this one for a while. Well,
1: I mean, we've known about it for a while.
0: Yeah, and it's played at, like, film festivals and uh, just, every it opened in New York, like, a while ago. Mm-hmm. So I've had friends who've been like, it's the best. But I have been keeping my mind clear
1: I go to high school that's not an option for me
0: <laughs> but I've yeah because all I, the only, my only source is what people write about and I just don't read it so um but we don't you know we're going in relatively un
1: unblemished
0: unblemished <laughs> so uh here we here we go what do you have any any thoughts before we go in
1: none that I can say at this point
0: okay. <laughs> yeah all I know is what all I know about this movie is what I saw in that first trailer so <laughs> uh I'm going in with no preconceived notions. Like.
1: If it's bad, we'll be honest. If
0: it's bad, we'll be honest. If it's great, we'll be honest. If we disagree, we'll be honest. If we agree, we'll be honest. That's the way we do things. Yes. Yes. So, we're not actually at the theater yet. We have to drive there.
1: Yep. That's, That's how this works. Yeah,
0: well, it's not like we're in the car outside the theater. I don't want to give people the false impression that we're like. Does it matter? I mean, you know, I don't want people to, you know, I don't want. Yes, it matters to me, (laughs) personally as a man of honor. I don't want people to to think I'm in one geographical location when I'm in the other geographical location. We're
1: currently sitting outside Mitzi's friend's house. Yeah,
0: we just dropped off Mitzi because she cannot go see this movie.
1: We wouldn't want her to come see the movie anyways, because I would be constantly annoyed (laughs) and then I would have a bad experience.
0: So here we go. Hopefully we'll have a good experience at the Uptown Theater in Minneapolis where The Shape of Water is finally playing. I guess we'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. My goodness, are you ready to talk about this movie though?
1: Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> not? How come?
1: I still need to process it.
0: Well, that is why we are talking about it right now, so we don't yep. have any chance to process this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Phil. And I'm Ollie. And it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. It's Del Toro time and we are fresh off the griddle. Don't say that. Hot off the presses. Don't say that we, this is This is the... Sh-
1: Breaking news. We, we, we saw a movie. What movie, you might be asking? The Shape of Water. And it was very good.
0: More at 11. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so we just saw The Shape of Water. Yes, we uh, did. Which has been, which is currently in limited release around the United States, only showing in one theater here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by here, I mean the state of Minnesota, as far as I can tell. <laughs> it's at the Uptown Theater where we saw it. What first of all, what do you think of the newly renovated? Not new at this point, not newly. But what do you think of the renovated Uptown Theater?
1: I have no idea because I don't remember what the old one was. <laughs> it's
0: very nicely d- renovated.
1: I had pocky,
0: and I had. Caramel corn.
1: it was all very good.
0: So this movie is a long time coming for us. Yep. We've been waiting for this one for, for a long time. For a long time. <laughs> hence, hence the expression. Long time coming. Mm-hmm. Um so it originally was released in at the end of August, like for sort premiering at film festivals. Yeah. And I was just like, ooh, it's coming. Can't wait. It's any day now. And here we are, December the twenty or fifth what's today? The 6 sixteenth? December the sixteenth.
1: December the 25th
0: i don't know why i was thinking december 20 something uh
1: it's christmas it's close
0: enough to christmas this took a while to get to general audiences it opened in new york a is while ago is it even back.
1: still in, it, is it this technically is this general audiences it's showing in one theater in the state of minnesota well at least
0: we have access to it that's true like i've had friends who've been watching it in new york for a while and they've been like oh it's wonderful and i'm like darn you i'm the one with the podcast <laughs> I've been trying so hard not to read or see anything about this movie, but like it just keeps popping up here and there. I didn't want to go in with too high expectations because I've been burned before. So we're just going to be general for the first part, and then we'll warn you yeah. when spoilers are coming up. So just a little, like just a because li- we can like there's stuff that people can know before they go in, and it, yes. that the trailer kind of revealed. Uh, what did the trailers show us?
1: It showed us a fish man, mm-hmm. a mute woman, yes, and a voice, and um. Her friend, right? So well, friends.
0: So we know we know going in that uh, this is a movie about you know a woman who works at a facility that has a fish man, and that she cause she doesn't speak, and that they develop a connection.
1: And she teaches him the word egg. Right. Well, she doesn't teach him the word egg. She teaches him the and sign. That, and that egg. there
0: are there are negative people around. <laughs> Not negative like
1: negative five people. <laughs> there.
0: <laughs> There are no, there's no people in this movie. They, they owe divide, us people. They
1: divided by zero, <laughs>
0: and we all cease to exist once we went into the theater. The end. <laughs> there are uh, there are bad guys and good guys, basically, as
1: in most movies.
0: As in most, especially Del Toro movies. Mm-hmm. There's people who are clearly it's, not it's, helping out.
1: Del Toro movies have bad guys and good guys, and maybe a neutral guy. Yeah, because there's definitely a neutral guy in this. Yes, this little flick. But there's definitely a really bad guy. There's
0: definitely guy. a really bad guy. Uh, let's talk about this cast just right off the top. because I only get, know
1: the names of the characters.
0: I will help out. I have a little list in front of me. So Our main character is Eliza. Yes. And she is played by Sally Hawkins. What are your thoughts on Sally's performance as Eliza? Very good. That's it? 10
1: out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10 IGN.
0: <laughs> well, what, what, what did you think of her performance?
1: I thought it was beautiful.
0: Yeah? Well, mm-hmm. What do you like about it? Without spoiling anything.
1: It was very fluid.
0: Hmm. How do you mean fluid?
1: Like, it just flowed really well. And she didn't, like, there weren't any, like, sudden, like, shifts. It was just her character remained constant throughout, but definitely had some development.
0: Yeah. Um. I loved her. I loved watching her. Uh, because she doesn't speak, she does everything with her face and her body and her eyes. And she was just, you could not have knocked her over with a with a tree branch. Like, she was just so, like present in this movie. She's an amazing character. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably like one of the, my favorite Del Toro characters. Definitely. She's amazing. Um uh, our heavy is Michael Shannon? Or who? Uh the heavy like the the bad guy, the the
1: Can you just say his antagonist. name?
0: Antagonist, Michael Shannon plays uh Strickland, who's like the security in the place.
1: Is he just security though? Well,
0: that's what he says. He says he's security. Um you get it says he's like former military. Mm-hmm. But he's working in this facility. He's a jerk. And what do you think of Michael Shannon's performance?
1: He was very good.
0: He's <laughs> stopped with <laughs> a very good. That's,
1: a, that's my default response.
0: I know. What is, how, does, how does he make you feel?
1: Uncomfortable.
0: He's an uncomfortable looking actor.
1: He, not his face. His face doesn't make me uncomfortable. The way he performs makes me uncomfortable.
0: Michael Shannon because is... Because he plays a jerk. Yeah, well, he plays bad guys and like, he antagonists. He plays them
1: very well
0: very well and it
1: makes me uncomfortable
0: Uh, I love Michael Shannon from everything I've heard he is a wonderful man just an amazingly kind person he's the kind of person that Guillermo del Toro would enjoy working with Mm -hmm. like a good like he's just he's really good at being like a down-to-earth creepy guy (laughs) like he's very grounded how does he make the role more than just a bad guy by being
1: creepy and uncomfortable
0: there was more to his character than just malevolence
1: Well, yeah. There's like every character. Every well, you know what
0: I mean. Like uh, even beyond this, like this. Well, he
1: was being threatened.
0: Yeah, and he was
1: really sick.
0: And he's desperately trying to like prove himself in a world that like he
1: had a bad father son relationship.
0: Yeah, he's just he. he, It's a complex role. I mean, very much the antagonist, but very complex. They don't ask you to feel sorry for him at all. Nope. They sure don't. Uh, Richard Jenkins, who played Giles. What a good man. (laughs)
1: what a beautiful beautiful person so
0: this is the guy you hear him narrating a little bit of the trailer and you see a few flashes of him in the trailer he plays
1: not giles from buffy the vampire slayer although he could be
0: he's he's the next door neighbor in the apartment building to uh to eliza and
1: uh he has a lot of cats
0: a very wonderful role yeah uh uh we can't of course not talk about octavia spencer who plays uh eliza's best friend
1: the best character
0: you like her the best
1: no (laughs) <laughs> I like I like a lot of them equally. I like a lot of them.
0: Uh her character is named Zelda. Uh, Zelda.
1: Zelda Delilah last name. And it's
0: a very Octavia Spencer role.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh I think Octavia Spencer is a strong enough actor. She every every actor in this story brought stuff to the roles beyond what's in the script. Yeah. And I think that that's part of what makes this movie feel so full. Like you are just you're living in this world and Octavia Spencer she brings a lot of the humor to the part, but also a lot of the like she seems to you know, she seems to be committed to keeping Eliza grounded.
1: And also she's just very like sisterly to Eliza.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, man, it's so good. And the last uh the last character I wanted to talk about was uh was Dr. Robert Hofstetler, played by Michael Stuhlbarg, who's we won't really go into him right now. Um Cuz spoilers. Cuz spoilers, but cuz there's not a whole lot to say about his character except that uh Spoilers. Well, he's the doctor who works at the facility, and he's more of a sympathetic mm. role. Uh, but uh, Michael Stulberg, like it's just good. Everyone's good. Everyone's really, <laughs> like, it's really hard to, like, well, I, now I get what you're saying. Like, it's really hard to, like, just, I was in awe of these actors the whole time I was watching this movie. And, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course, we cannot go without commending the performance of the lanky man himself. Doug jones
1: <laughs> <laughs> why do you call him that
0: <laughs> doug jones
1: congratulations on winning alabama doug jones
0: then congratulations you are amazing it's been your year <laughs> it's been your month doug jones no doug Je- of course this is doug jones's movie mm-hmm. he gets the he is the They just call him like let just call him like the amphibian man the creature uh they call him the amphibian man in That's the credits. awful. Amphibian it's, man. They call
1: a- him like the creature throughout the entire thing. Right. But I
0: think, you know, I think this is uh, important that he is he is designated a man like mm-hmm. he's a he's a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in definitely the a person. Uh, he's more than a person. It's like the credits. The script itself is humanizing the character. Yeah. And
1: it's it's like very clear when you like when you really listen to how like certain characters talk about the amphibian man. Mm-hmm. It's like you can really feel like how they like perceive him and like stuff like that
0: yeah like I don't again I was avoiding any like making of or behind the scenes before I saw this so but I'm assuming that this movie was made the del Toro way which was like from the from the blueprints up design up and working with the actors like he works with actors for a long time up but uh yeah no one was ambiguous about the amphibian man like in the movie like everyone
1: I wonder if they were gonna call him the Aquaman but then they realized <laughs> that was copyrighted <laughs>
0: they realized (laughs) (laughs) but even doug jones like this is a much more restrictive costume than like abe sapien Mm -hmm. like more of his face is covered but he still does so much
1: he still has the doug jones movement
0: yeah and but the uh the outline of this character is different than abe sapien like he's
1: he's more monstrous
0: yeah well he's not a fish man he's an amphibian man yeah, because so, he
1: can breathe outside of water, but yeah. so can Abe Sapien.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, a lot of ma- a lot was made about the fact that, wow, Doug Jones, Gamora, Toro's cast you as an aquatic man beast in two movies. Like that's kind of weird. But these are very different types of characters.
1: Well, I mean, the a- amphibian man can't speak.
0: Well, I think it speaks to uh, Doug Jones's like physicality that it's still, you can tell it's Doug Jones cause he moves a certain way, but he does not move like Abe. Mm-hmm. Like he is more of a, more of a beast in this movie. Like he's closer to animal in this movie. And that's, it's really cool. He still has the hands. He though. still has the hands, beautiful webbed hands.
1: When he takes the egg.
0: Egg. <laughs> um. So it was, it was, I mean, just in general, now that we've sort of gone over the uh, some of the specifics, it's set it's set in Baltimore in the nineteen oof, nineteen sixties, I believe. Yeah, because it's during the civil rights era, and so it's a period piece. We don't see we haven't seen what I was, I was just about to lie and say we don't see many period pieces from Guillermo Toro except for Devil's Backbone. And uh, Pan's Labyrinth, and uh, a lot of uh, them, uh, Crimson Peak, and <laughs> no, he knows a lot you about it.
1: I don't see a lot of different time periods in Del Toro movies straight up apply. Well, haven't,
0: okay, okay, haven't seen a whole lot of time periods that are closer to yeah. Our Like, wait, I haven't seen him do like a 19th, that, that, that like recognizable Americana on on film. Mm-hmm. Uh, by DiGamero Toro. I think he did a really good job. He did
1: an amazing job. Like,
0: this movie is clearly set in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, it does not shy away from, like, social issues.
1: Yeah. It doesn't shy away from anything.
0: No, it's, uh, it is very clearly a, a, man, it's just a thought out film.
1: They did their research.
0: They did their research, but also, like, he did his due diligence as far as like crafting these characters mm-hmm. uh it's uh it's got uh somewhat not not a wholly multi-ethnic cast but it's got a multi-ethnic cast but in a very thoughtful way mm-hmm. because race is an issue with this gender is an issue with this sexuality is an issue with this it's a species, uh, <laughs> is, an issue species with this. is an issue with this it's it's everything comes out to play and sort of rears its ugly head like throughout the script Yeah. uh, Well, also uh, uh, ableism and being disabled is Mm -hmm. a part of this and the way sort of society views a person uh, who's disabled and can't speak. (laughs)
1: How society views a group of people who don't use the technology we do. Right.
0: It's also a very romantic film, Mm -hmm. like not just like the the interactions, but like the way it's filmed. it's very like old Hollywood. Like there's just like these like sweeping shots and the the score is very orchestral and swells and and dun 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 when bad things are happening. Like it feels like it could have been an old monster movie. It's kinda hard to tell probably from our tone of voice, but this was a really good movie. I cried. Yeah.
1: Multiple times.
0: It's a it's a heartstring puller and it's gut wrenching and gory in places. And very real. And the camera doesn't pan away from things. It just sits right there and just makes you watch it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to, uh, I want to step aside and like do a little sidebar thing okay. for our listeners. Um, a little sidebar issue. Uh, let's go to Phil's sidebar.
1: Don't ever say that clink,
0: again. Clink, clink. <laughs> clink. This is what I'm doing, uh, I'm doing, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm doing background noise like we're in a bar.
1: Okay. I'm 16.
0: Welcome to Phil's sidebar. Get it?
1: Welcome to Phil's. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome to Phil's sidebar. No, How about
1: like cafe or like?
0: Welcome to Phil's cafe. You no, because it's a sidebar, like like in a in a, in a, in, a, in a magazine story. Like there'll be like a sidebar with like a little like this isn't the main body of the story, but read over on this side when your eyes wander over and it's in a different color background. My sidebar. Let's talk a little bit about. Watching a movie with your teenager, and all of a sudden, there's a lot of nudity. <laughs> yep. So, for those of you who don't know, this is an R rated film, and there is quite a bit. Well, I don't say quite a bit. Like, there are at points throughout the film nudity and masturbation and sex. Yeah. Uh, this is the power trio. Um, this is Guillermo del Toro, so I don't feel it never came across to me as gratuitous or salacious. Like it wasn't trying to, well, he wasn't like being like, and here's one for the fellas in the audience. Like it didn't feel like that. Like it didn't feel like he was doing it from any studio mandated position. He wasn't like trying to like, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like like, it felt like it thematically had to do with the story and the characters. Like Mm -hmm. you were, he was building something up, but I'm (laughs) sitting (laughs) next to you in the theater and it's like first three minutes of the movie. And I'm like, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then, like, I think you looked over at me.
1: I was like, I I looked over at you to see your reaction.
0: (laughs) And I'm like, keep it together, man. (laughs) Keep it together. Uh, I'm not totally like, it wasn't totally distressing for me because growing up, I watched a lot of movies with my parents. Like, my parents would just rent movies and be like, tonight we're watching these movies, kids. And so I saw a lot of stuff with my parents, like stuff that would blow your mind to think of your grandma and grandpa like watching with me, like terrible children. No, no, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Like you know, grandma and grandpa, you don't think of them as like watching like a lot of like nudies, nudie movies. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you being so weird about it? (laughs) Because now I'm thinking about my parents watching these movies.
1: Movies that contain nudity. Movies
0: that contain nudity. Movies that contain like sex. My parents were always just like, whatever violence whatever man if there was swearing though forget <laughs> it they'd be like you're turning this off
1: if there was witches forget, forget it it.
0: but uh no we watched all kinds of stuff but it's different i don't know it's different when you're in the theater and you're kind of just like you know nope. and everyone knows that i brought my kid to this <laughs> but no but uh it's so so just so you know there is there is full frontal nudity and there's a lot
1: of nudity not a it, lot of nudity but like a good amount of nudity.
0: Yeah, and but not like throughout. Like it's not a nudity film.
1: A nudity film.
0: <laughs> it's just it pops up in a few a few key moments mm-hmm. that are not exploitative. I don't believe uh, that are used to fill in the characters, show their lives, and
1: there's a really horrible one though. There's a horrible
0: part. Yeah, we'll get to that in the spoiler section. But again, very intentional. Mm-hmm. Um So so. I'm gonna reflect for a second and be like that happened. Just know that it happened. So if you take your kids to see Shape of Water, which would be weird, like don't take your little kids to see Shape of Water.
1: Don't take children under the age of fourteen to see Shave of Water.
0: I think if you if you are a parent and you're watching a movie with your kid and there's this this like it's this kind of nudity, like and sexuality and stuff, it's handled very well.
1: Your kids probably know more than they than you think they do.
0: Yeah. They've probably been around a lot of fishmen.
1: Don't Lots don't, of fish Don't men. say that. Don't men. say sorry, that I'm, when we're I'm talking sorry, about I'm, this. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Amphibian men.
1: <laughs> no. Don't say that when we're talking about sex.
0: Da 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 da. And now we're back to the. Welcome back to the actual part of the show where we talk about uh, some of the Guillermo del Toro themes that we found in his other movies and are also in this movie. Old man. There's an old man. Uh, that's it. Good night, everyone. <laughs>
1: Bye. <laughs>
0: clearly his obsession with outsiders and strength in groups
1: has the lankyman become a del toro theme yet
0: like Like doug jones yeah oh yeah yeah use of doug jones we've pointed him out every time he's shown up he's i want to meet him he's a very nice man he's a wonderful man
1: i hope he never hears this podcast i
0: hope he wasn't does not i mean not because i think we say anything bad about doug jones he's a wonderful man mm-hmm. but it's because there's probably better things for him to do with his time
1: Also, you keep calling him Dog Jones. Dog Jones. Which isn't nice.
0: (laughs) If I was to make a Muppet version of him, it would be a dog, and his name would be Dog Jones.
1: I think it would be a worm.
0: Or it would be a dog, and his name would be Dog Bones.
1: That just just sounds like a horrible (laughs) monstrosity.
0: Dog Bones.
1: A man made out of dog bones.
0: That sounds like a Guillermo del Toro movie to me. The Shape of Bones.
1: The Bone of Water. No. Waterless waterless or boneless ice boneless
0: so given so a lot of this movie has to do with people who feel isolated from society mm-hmm. uh we'll get into like the specifics in just a minute when we break into spoilers but uh pretty much everyone including the bad guys everyone is given a way that they don't fit in and are kind of forced outside the world that they're part of like they're, mm-hmm. they're not quite a part of uh octavia for being black eliza for being uh Mute. Mute. The amphibian man for being an amphibian <laughs> man. <laughs> like everyone's got this like thing where that sets them apart and they all have to kind of come together to, to achieve like any kind of happiness.
1: Well, I mean, they kind of leave one of them out. Well,
0: yes. But, you know, like uh, and I think that's where I was coming from with Michael Shannon, where he's he's ambitious. He's obviously broken inside. But Good. what? Good. But he's also like living in a world where he's constantly like just fighting for recognition and fighting to do his duty and and live up to this weird and this is kind of like in the background of the movie live up to this notion of like the american dream uh which pops up like in crazy little places like a used car like a, not a used car like a car dealership and the way his house looks and, and like the, his family yeah the family like
1: a wife two children one girl and one boy
0: it's something i don't usually see in Gamma movies like this 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 portrayal of suburbia, contented suburbia. But um, it
1: also shows that suburbia isn't actually great. And yeah. there's a lot of shadows in it. Yeah.
0: There's just something so beautiful about this movie. It was very good. It was very good. Give me a look. <laughs> Your very good look.
1: <laughs> that was me making a joke because you told me to stop saying very good.
0: <laughs> it was very good, though.
1: It was amazing.
0: So walking out, you said you think this is one of the best Guillermo del Toro movies. Mm-hmm. And what made you say that?
1: I don't, I can't explain it. It's just the, char- like, the story, the characters, the atmosphere, the base, like, it just, it, it all, like, was together. There was no, like, weird, like, awkward, like, pauses of the movie. There was no obvious editing. And, like, I don't know. It was just very good.
0: Yeah. To me, it felt like, not since Pan's Labyrinth, really, has it, have I felt like this is a movie that is a solid piece, like, a single piece. It all works like it all feeds into itself. Even the sort of extraneous stuff at least feeds it thematically and like builds and develops and and not since like Pan's Labyrinth. have I felt this much tension in a Guillermo del Toro movie. Like, oh, my God, I was on the edge of my seat for like half this film.
1: Not since Pan's Labyrinth have I cried during a movie.
0: I feel like if this makes any sense, I feel like the stuff that we're used to seeing in Guillermo del Toro movies That he's usually externalizes the obsession with chitinous exteriors and clockwork and mythical beings and uh, like deals with like the unseen world. All those all those thematic elements that we're so used to seeing him externalize. I feel like he's internalized them for this movie.
1: It is truly a del Toro movie.
0: But it is so just pinpoint just bam like it's so tight. Oh my God, this whole movie. It was so good. So good. And now, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Spoiler alert.
0: Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Time to move to spoiler town. So if you Ooh. don't want to know any of the secrets of The Shape of Water. Secrets. Then turn leave. off the podcast now.
1: Leave. Get out.
0: Go. Leave your home. Are you in your Go car? for a walk. Jump out the door.
1: Jump out the door. Not the window.
0: The door of your car.
1: Don't open the door though.
0: Just jump out of it. Mm-hmm. Jump down.
1: Glitch in the matrix.
0: Just glitch through your car. <laughs> grab T-pose. a backpack. You're in PUBG. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the game, better run. The circle's closing. <laughs> We are in Spoiler Town. Welcome to Spoiler Town. I'm Phil. And I'm Ollie. And it's Spoiler Time. (laughs) We just saw The Shape of Water. (laughs) 2017, Shape of Water. No, uh, so now let's talk about just like some of the plot. So what were you sitting on before? A
1: lot of things. So
0: name one of them because you had said something and then I was like, no,
1: spoilers. Oh, yeah. Sitting at the lunch table talking about how excited I was about the movie. Someone just goes over and says, they F word the fish. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, thanks yeah now i never want to see this movie ever
0: so you were worried because you understood that there was going to be some physical relations between yes yeah
1: i i i'm asexual hello nice to see you um i don't like seeing sex i don't like hearing sex i just don't it makes me super uncomfortable yeah i'm fine talking about it because it's just a thing right (laughs) but i was like this is a movie i never want to see
0: so you were like in a bad mood driving up you're like oh man But, A, if you're worried about the fish sex...
1: There's no fish sex.
0: There's no fish sex. It's implied and Mm -hmm. mentioned. It happens, but it's not, like, just laid out on screen for you.
1: No. There's a shower curtain.
0: Yeah, the shower curtain gets pulled. Um, No
1: shower, though. Just the curtain.
0: uh, There is, however, sex on screen Mm -hmm. between Michael Shannon's character and his wife. Yeah. And it is not fun. No. It's an ugly scene. It's quick. It doesn't go on for very long, but it is... Right there. Why do you think that scene was included?
1: Um, to show his character and what he's actually like and to also foreshadow another scene.
0: Which other scene?
1: The one where he makes an advance on Eliza.
0: Why do you think he, he does that? There's this, this moment where he, he he makes basically a sexual advance on her. Do you think he was really making an advance on her?
1: Mm-hmm. I think he was definitely trying to have sex with her. Do you? Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't know if he was doing that or if he was just like being intimidating, like trying to like no. throw his power around.
1: If he had been trying to throw his power around, there would have been other implications. So why it do would you have th- happened more than once.
0: Why do you think he wanted to do that?
1: The in the sex scene with his wife, he does not like noise. Um
0: Oh right.
1: He doesn't like he seemed like what there's a scene where he's torturing the creature and he keeps making it make this horrible screaming sound. He he definitely doesn't like it, but it definitely gets him going. Yeah. He likes making things scream. Yeah. But he doesn't like speech. Uh
0: he never touches Eliza. No, he does. He grabs her. But well, I mean like like in a yeah. in a suggestive way. Like he's not like he's not physically trying to strong arm her into sex. Yeah. He's but there's this very uncomfortable scene between the two of them.
1: There's also an even more uncomfortable scene between him and his wife.
0: Yeah. Guillermo del Toro hasn't used sex very often in his movies. Uh, you see, like, a brief shot of sex in Crimson Peak, and it's supposed to be, like, shocking. Uh, but in, like, like, Hellboy? No. Like, uh... He makes so many movies about children that it doesn't even yeah. really come up. There's a sex scene in uh, Devil's Backbone between mm-hmm. the the old man, no, the young man and the woman with one leg. Yeah. Uh, which is used to like sort of illustrate their lives. And I feel like that's kind of the case in this movie too. Her relationship with the outside world and her relationship with herself is defined by her sexuality. Mm-hmm. They give her a sexuality. Yeah. Immediately, right off the bat, you're like, oh, this is a full like explored character like they've yeah. covered every part of her personality uh you said there was like masturbation right in the mm-hmm. very beginning yeah. again it's not explicit uh but you know what's happening you, yeah <laughs> but it's not it's not done for like a it, it's done in it's done lightly like it's it's a light moment but it's not done for like a big laugh or like mm-hmm. a like to like snicker behind your your fist it's yeah it's it's part of her daily routine and it sort of illustrates her she's very much just a part of herself corn
1: cornflakes <laughs>
0: The cornflake scene about like, you know, cornflakes were invented to curb masturbation.
1: It didn't work though.
0: Did you know that cornflakes were invented to curb masturbation? That's not surprising. They totally were. That's why Kellogg invented them. They were supposed to be. Uh...
1: That's not surprising. To oh, me.
0: Kellogg was bazonkers. He had a sanitarium, sanatorium, whatever sanitarium. the sanitarium—the pl- one where you go to get healthy—and like people would come from like miles around. He would like make people poop and like he would inspect their poop to make sure that they were healthy and he would he was like vegetarian but he invented cornflakes to be like this like superfood and he he believed that people shouldn't be having sex in any way because you're getting rid of like fluids your body needs so he was a huge germaphobe he was all kinds of things he was crazy um he was the quintessential health nut and but yeah so when they mentioned that i was like that's true They were important for this. But yeah, you you just don't usually see sex in Del Toro movies like this. You don't
1: see like you don't you see sex in a lot of movies, but you never like really see masturbation just as a normal everyday thing. Right.
0: And as a character moment. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's as part it's as much a part of her character as her daily boiling of the eggs. You see her morning routine like a couple of times and it's the movie is very much concerned with these breaks in her routine and how like these like things that jog her out of her routine are good like it it starts I wouldn't say it like wakes her up because she's a very like aware person. Mm-hmm. Um it
1: definitely lifts her spirits though. Yeah. Yeah. She becomes like she actually smiles and right. she communicates more. Mhm. And um she's more witty.
0: So she communicates in sign language mm-hmm. which they translate next to her on the screen like the subtitles are next to her
1: or they have a character say what she says what's funny
0: is like a lot of times I didn't even feel like they needed needed to have the 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 subtitles on the screen I thought that they would they did just fine without them that was like my only criticism I was like I didn't need to read all those words
1: I liked I liked them in that one
0: scene though oh yeah no there are some there they come in use they come in in very very handy uh in a couple of parts
1: was that was that a pun what very handy,
0: handy. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, so her next door neighbor, Giles, uh, they live. She lives above a movie theater, and they have apartments above a movie theater, the Orpheum.
1: Which, when it first came on, I read O R P H, and I was like, "Is this gonna be called the Orphanage?" Because I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: she meets the, her neighbor Giles. Is an artist. He's a graphic a graphic artist for like uh, ads. He's designing mm-hmm. Jello ads. He's obviously been fired from his ad advertising job for some reason but we don't really know why
1: i mean we can assume why though
0: yeah uh they don't really go into it but he is gay and it's not something that he's ashamed of no but it's something that has kept him back Mm -hmm. his whole life he's an older man now he's probably in his probably in his 60s at this point but he has this weird relationship with a, a pie store manager that he's like interested in this guy at the pie store and there's a heartbreaking scene uh, where he like expresses his interest in the guy, and,
1: and then you realize the guy's an a hole. Yeah, and
0: and racist, and
1: and also, and then Giles is like, "Oh, this guy's an a hole."
0: And it doesn't nothing like really bad comes of it, but it serves to isolate him further. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. So I guess like, I guess he was fired from his advertising job because he was gay.
1: That's what I'm assuming. That's what I
0: yeah. I, there's there's no other reason given, but he's trying this whole movie to like sell
1: this jello this ad. ad
0: and it's it's just not going well and cuz oh because the ad agency is only interested in photographs now as opposed to paintings and which is boring well and he's it's part of that like the world is changing like we're on this you see briefly on TV uh uh civil rights uh like uh uh cops turning water hoses onto like african american protesters you there is this sense of real turmoil in the world. Like things are shifting. Like socially things are shifting, politically things are shifting.
1: It's a very shifting movie.
0: It is a very shifting movie and not shifty. No. No, the movie is very upfront about itself. Mm-hmm. Uh but you I don't know, Del Toro does a great job of just layering these things in, just slipping them in so He's that like, this
1: is what's happening.
0: Yeah, and it, but it it it's never extraneous. It always adds to the characters or it adds to the milieu or it adds to the, the, the tension. Cause when it, when that, when that shot comes on the TV, he's like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this change the channel. I don't want to hear this. And I'm like, Oh, like that informs his character. And the fact that they both know these little dance routines, you see Eliza and Giles, like do these little dance moves with their feet. Like you, you, there's an internal life there to them that, that is beautiful and they're good friends.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, it could have gone in, like, the direction where, like, oh, they're actually, like, in a relationship, and it could have just left out the gay part.
0: Right. But it didn't. Yeah. Like, it was it was very important that these characters are who they are. Mm-hmm. But in no, in no way does the movie ever say disabled people or gay people are naturally isolated. Like, you don't get the sense that the movie is, is saying this is a natural state for people who are gay or disabled to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more going on internally and also just the forces of society are forcing these things on them. But it's not like it's a natural state for them. Like he's trying to get out there. Like he's trying to live his life. And and he says at one point, he's like, I I think I was either born too early or too late. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about Eliza. She was an orphan found by a river. And she has these three scratches on these three scars on each side of her, of her neck. They're gills. They're gills. Eventually you find out at the very end of the movie that they're gills.
1: Like, are they gills originally, or does he turn them into gills? It's, I
0: think that's intentionally ambiguous. Okay. Like, I think, because part of it's, like, was she, like, a baby of his species that was, like, left on the, He's, like,
1: surface? And somehow is human.
0: <laughs> right. Because we find out the fish, the amphibian man, has the ability to heal. Yeah. Uh, with his touch. He was and worshipped as a god. Yeah. So, did he, yeah, did he heal her wound underwater and also give her the ability to breathe underwater? Or is the whole reason she could never talk in the first place because she's part of his species?
1: Maybe she's half human, half his species, which is why she looks human.
0: Who knows? I don't think we're...
1: Ever supposed to really We're not know.
0: supposed to know, obviously.
1: I like the idea that she is part of his species. Do you? That's why they had that connection. Mm. Most species can't connect on that level together if they're not part of the same species.
0: I like the notion that she's... I like the notion that she's not part of the species, uh, because for me personally, I like that she is simply a human being with a disability who uh, who then becomes part of his world. But I don't know, like, in a way, that like, that's a little limiting as well. I think maybe it's best just not to know, because then it can sort of, like, exist in this liminal state between mm-hmm. the two, like... Uh, it's regardless both. it's maybe beautiful. it's both <laughs> regardless it's beautiful it's also very Lovecraftian mm-hmm. because Lovecraft for those who don't know has uh, the Innsmouth people who are who crossbred with ocean monsters and when you get to a certain age you start turning into one of the ocean monsters and then you return to the sea so it's very it's very shadow over Innsmouth in that way where she starts becoming this amphibious creature at the end we assume so he Giles narrates. He says, did they live happily ever after? He's like
1: I like to think so. So was
0: what you saw under the water at the end. And this is this is all playing into like the language of film and like
1: I like to think that it was real and that they lived happily ever after and then nothing bad ever happened to them ever.
0: Okay. So <laughs> I was going to ask. Yeah, like once they go over that pier, he doesn't see them. So there to me there's to me that's beautifully ambiguous as well. Like is this what he wants us to believe happened underwater? Or is this what happened underwater? Now, for you, it works best if
1: if it if it it, it happened it happened and uh, there's nothing you can say that it's going to change my mind. There's no way it didn't happen.
0: The beauty of it is that with, of ambiguity. Of ambiguity is that it is exactly whatever you want it to be.
1: It definitely happened. There's no way it didn't happen. Now I
0: talked to Del Toro and he said it totally didn't happen. I don't he believe. Said, I you. agree with you, Mr. Gonzalez. <laughs> I feel I feel a kinship with you on a spiritual level. I'm going to tell you a secret. It didn't happen. (laughs) No, I don't know. And I prefer not to know. Like, I like to just be like, it's beautifully, it's visually stunning. Speaking of which, this movie is visually stunning. It really is. Holy spumoni. There's a lot of blood in this movie. Mm -hmm. and The
1: handprint.
0: It is gorgeous every time you see blood. Like, it's just red. And there it is. But not like that fake Hollywood red from like the 50s. But like red, like this, like crimson red, just pssst, all over the place. Michael Shannon's fingers get bit off, bitten off, uh, early in the movie. I was just like, "Whoa, this is going there pretty quick." And through the whole movie, his fingers have been sewn back on by a doctor. But he, so he has there, he,
1: his body is rejecting them.
0: Right, and he says like they're either going to stick or they're not. And so he thro- never
1: goes back to the doctor.
0: And there's this beautiful he's just he's popping pills the whole time there's this beautiful visual though with them you watch his fingers rot which is i mean it's very clearly symbolic but you his personal decay
1: is symbolized
0: it's symbolized in his fingers and it's so well done because you never get a good shot of him until the end of the movie they're always just kind of in and out of frame. People point them out <laughs> cuz they start smelling really bad.
1: And you know, turning black.
0: But oh my god, it's it's gory and the
1: one the one thing I have to say about this movie that like kind of jarred me like out of the like moment for a moment was when he tears his fingers off and just throws them on the ground. I'm like, "Those aren't fingers."
0: What do you mean they're not fingers?
1: Like the sound they make it's not there's not they're not fingers. You
0: don't know what sound fingers make when they hit a They floor. definitely
1: don't make the sound of a wooden peg hitting the ground. That's cuz
0: they were all stiff. And and like It doesn't
1: turn them to like
0: spoiled. Well, complain to the Foley artists. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to tweet it Del Toro and complain about finger sounds.
1: I mean, that's I'm just that's like the one thing that kind of like jarred me out of the like atmosphere no. for a moment.
0: But yeah, Michael Shannon rips off his own fingers by the end. Spoilers. Spoiler section, Michael Shannon rips off his own fingers and it is cringe inducing. I didn't it watch m- it. Is it more or less cringe inducing than some of the stuff that happened in Pan's labyrinth? It's more. Do you I think don't do
1: so? I don't do hand gore. Oh, you don't? I don't. That's why that's why <laughs> I literally hid myself.
0: <laughs> I I don't do hand gore is make a good t shirt. What 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 is the extent of hand gore? I don't, I don't do I don't do tooth gore.
1: I don't do that either. I don't do fingers. Like anything happening to the palm. Of yeah, the
0: hand, I don't like that either.
1: Like, well, anything happening to the palm of the hand is fine with me, because I've seen it so many times. But anything to do with fingers, fingernails, teeth, toes, ears—little
0: like, things that stick like, out of the body.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with the nose. The nose is fine. I don't care about the nose. <laughs> but like any anything else, extremities, I don't do.
0: Yeah, and this is a movie about extremities. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so you can see Michael Shannon rot throughout the course of the movie, and it is visually gory and delightful and chilling, and he's a rotten character anyway. Uh, Nice kids, though. Mm -hmm. They're a genuinely nice family. I was terrified something was going to happen to his family.
1: So was I. I thought he was going to murder them all.
0: Yeah, but he did not. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Jesus. Um, Plenty of blood, though. Plenty of magical powers. Um, Octavia Spencer... You finally she talks about her husband throughout the course of the film. Complains about her husband. Complains endlessly about I her husband. I would also
1: complain about her husband.
0: You finally meet him at the end, and he gets like two lines, and
1: they're good lines though. He's
0: good. Like I was like, oh wow, they really lived up to this guy. Like, and she gets to tell him off. This movie has some great roles for women in it.
1: Mm-hmm. They're ba.
0: Yeah, like the two female leads in this movie are outstanding. Like I would watch a buddy show with them. Like it's a. A 30-minute sitcom starring starring the two of them because, dang, they're good. Uh, What do I know Sally Hawkins from? I don't know. Uh, A, she's only older than me by three months. Can you believe it? Uh, She's a British actress. Um, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything before. I didn't see Mrs. Warren's Profession, which was on Broadway. She's been in two Woody Allen films, which I'm not gonna see. Oh, duh, we have seen her in a movie. We did see her in a movie. We saw her in a movie together. She was the mom in Paddington. Oh She was the mom in Paddington. She was great in that. Well now I love her for two reasons. Very different role.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Very different role. There's no talking bear in this movie. That we know of. That we know of. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I like to think that this movie and that movie, even though it took place in different timelines, were happening happening consecutively. <laughs> that
0: The Shape of Water is concurrent with Paddington,
1: mm-hmm. and that's why the that's that's part of the reason the bathtub floated out. They live in the same area, and like, the water got all messed up because she filled her bathroom with water and then Paddington was like oh now I'm flying down the staircase (laughs) (laughs) that
0: would be perfect they are both movies with flooded bathrooms Mm -hmm. I'm going to speculate let's speculate let's let's play let's play in the space just for a minute before we before we wrap things up I like to believe that this movie takes place in the del toro universe well yes i like to believe that it could take place that this the, the government facility whatever it is you don't learn anything about the government facility like they are just sort of shadowy. That's it. You don't know why they're there.
1: It's the government.
0: <laughs> they're very much the facility from uh from Cabin in the Woods. Yes. Like it's very just. It's I this, had to think about that for a second. Yeah, it's ca- the Cabin in the Woods place. There's this one room has a tank with a uh, amphibian man in it, but you don't know what's happening in any of the other rooms
1: because they all have the same door.
0: They have all these huge doors. Uh, I can easily believe. That this was the beginning of, like, the BPRD from Hellboy. Like, maybe Abe Sapien was just one of the latest fishmen who came through. And that this is before, like, Hellboy really got active in the BPRD. So he wasn't there to, like, save the lives of every monster who came through. Uh, but it definitely feels like it could take place within Del Toro's cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just as, like, beautiful and ugly and vicious and...
1: I like the ending when the guy's throat gets slit by the monster
0: <laughs> man you get to see a cat beheaded yep you get to see a headless house cat
1: which is really sad it's sad but also kind of hilarious
0: it also got a big laugh in the audience um i think it's
1: you know it was coming you
0: knew it was coming and the way that they like re- the reveal you're not laughing at the fact that a cat got killed you're laughing at the way that giles discovered that his cat got killed
1: oh Hello. You uh, the, the you see the creature and you're like, "Oh, this creature is actually wild."
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and it doesn't understand like it doesn't have any it doesn't have any frame of reference.
1: But it also feels bad, which you can tell.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Cuz like Giles walks in and is like and the creature's like <laughs> and then it runs out.
0: <laughs> yeah. After
1: scratching Giles.
0: What do you think the Amphibian man came from? Do you think he has like a whole like kingdom under the sea?
1: I hope he comes from Atlantis. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he was revered as a god. Mm. He—he's uh, obviously not from America.
0: These parts. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know. I yeah. like to think like maybe he is from ape sapien species, but he, unlike ape sapien, wasn't integrated into human society. He came. He like fell. I don't know. Where does ape sapien come from? I don't know his backstory. That's complicated. <laughs> Is it he like an alien?
0: Well, it has to do with like underwater gods and spi- spirits and how he like became, he was a man and he became a fish man. Well, I guess
1: maybe that's. Maybe that's what happened. And maybe like instead of being reintegrated into human society, he was just shoved into the middle of the ocean Yeah, and became kind of this creature.
0: Having read uh, Blackwood's Guide to Dangerous Fairies or whatever, uh, he fits nicely into that whole like there are things under the water and you don't want to deal with them because they will bite your fingers off or eat your cat. But uh, if you're nice to them, maybe they'll do you a good turn.
1: I liked the part where he touches Giles' head. Yes. And then puts Giles' hand on his head. Yes. And then Giles gets his hair back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I liked what he he put Giles' hand on his head and he put his hand on Giles' head because it was very deliberate. And you're like, oh, this is a thing that you do, like where you're from. Like this is... uh,
1: And Giles does not blame him for eating the head. He's like, he's a wild animal. We can't really expect him to.
0: Giles is just the greatest. He, like, is. I want him to be my best friend.
1: Beach, like he's just a
0: wonderful guy, like a great friend. I mean, he's a little needy, but uh I mean, he'll do anything for you.
1: Man, he should have been able to sell that Jello
0: advert. This is a movie about like really good people. Mm-hmm. The, all of our main characters. Oh, and let's before we before we wrap up uh, the character of Ben, also known as uh, who's Ben? Bob. Sorry. <laughs> The character of Bob, also known as...
1: Dimitri. We forgot the entire Russian.
0: <laughs> right. There's a whole subplot with the this Russians. This
1: is going on during the Cold War. Oh, definitely. Um, The reason that the monster has been kidnapped, and or the, the, the amphibian man has been kidnapped, is because they want to figure out how to breathe in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Essentially. More or less. Bob or Dimitri is working for the Russians to get the creature to the Russians so the Americans can't have it. Dimitri, though, ends up being like, this monster, or this creature is actually not that bad. Yeah. And helps... Eliza, get the amphibian man out.
0: So there's a whole like subplot with him. And he ends up getting like killed. Butchered.
1: Which is sad.
0: Yeah, tortured and butchered by Michael Shannon. Well, first his first shot by his own people In the mouth. Because he fails. And then tortured by Michael Shannon to find the location of the fish after it gets stolen. But But he
1: laughs while through the torture.
0: He does because he knows he has the upper hand. But Bob, Eliza, just all these characters are so good. Like they're just trying to be good, and I like, love. And
1: she's not. She's not like, oh, I love the creature, and I'm going to keep him here forever. Yeah. She's like this. The creature needs. The amphibian man needs to go back to where he comes. Right, because he's dying.
0: Yeah. Without his, without being in the ocean, um, they're doing their best to keep him alive, but yeah. they can't. I mean, we can't touch on everything. The uh, there's a black and white dance sequence that's just hilarious. comes out of nowhere, is hilarious and beautiful. And I thought it was just going to be there for like laughs, and then it ends, and I almost cried because you see her face, like it just. If you have, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, why are you listening to this? Part, she, but, she's trying to sing. Yeah, it's just. Ugh, it tore my heart out.
1: And the creature, like, isn't really noticing this because he's busy eating eggs.
0: But that doesn't matter because, like, that—
1: And then he sees her crying, and he's like, I I don't know what to do.
0: There is so much to this movie. It is a beautiful Game of Toro movie. If you haven't seen it, I don't know why you're listening to the spoilers, but— Go see it. But go see it. uh, it, I'm so glad we finally got to see it. I'm glad I got to see it with you. Like, I'm glad we didn't end up having to, like, rent it and watch it on TV. I just think this is a good—this is a solid movie. This is a solid flick. Everything from the costumes to the lighting. I'm loving I loved this movie. I am loving it more now. Like the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, this movie just blew me away. It just blew me away. From toe to tip. Yep. That's a movie.
1: <laughs> Very good.
0: So final judgments.
1: Go see this movie right now.
0: Go see this movie right now.
1: If you're in the middle of open heart surgery, go see it.
0: If you are asleep, go see it.
1: If you're dead, go see this movie.
0: Go see it. Go see this movie. If you're an underwater amphibian man, go see this movie. Seriously, though, if you want to see a movie with great characters, great script, great cinematography, great everything.
1: Even I admitted after watching um, Crimson Peak, it was a well-done movie. Yeah. It was very well done. I hated it, mm-hmm. but it was, a, it was a good movie. Yeah. Like, there's some movies that you can't just be like, oh, this was terrible. You have to give it credit for what it is. And
0: this movie this is, is definitely one of them. This movie is one of them. Even if you don't like it, there's this was a good movie. <laughs> so this was our quick review of The Shape of Water from 20,000... 20,000... 20, leagues under the 17. <laughs> 2017's Shape of Water. Uh, we've got more movies coming up, so yeah. hang in there. I think, I think our next episode is going to be Hunchback of Notre Dame.
1: Speaking of monsterman this that movie is not nearly as fun
0: as but it was still a fun movie we did it we did i enjoyed it, it. It's not, enjoy but it. it's not
1: nearly as happy <laughs> it's
0: no shape of water
1: yeah it Oops. doesn't hold anything just the shape of the water No.
0: so until next time i'm phil and i'm molly and we'll see you when it's, it's del, del toro, toro time, time. <laughs> bye bye